0: Happy hour with Julie and Liz. So Liz. Yes. I have a question for you. Okay.
1: How long do you think it is before we land on the naughty list for the Ministry of Truth disinformation list led by this complete whack job, Nina Jankowitz?
0: Um, I think we're already on the list. Because I'm pretty sure that we were migrated from other lists that existed before <laughs> the list that will be created from the new Ministry of Truth the, under the Biden administration. Yeah. We are on many lists. I, I'm sure we are. And I'm sure we're on this one. How creepy is this latest development that I mean. Are you more surprised that there's a list or are you more surprised that they freely admit that there's a list? Like, we all thought that they have lists. So that's not weird, at least to me at this point in our political trajectory. Like, I'm not surprised. But to actually come out and just say it like it's not going to cause a shitstorm, that takes some stones. Well, here's...
1: Because they know that there's no repercussions. I mean, they know That's that right. Kevin McCarthy and House Judiciary Committee, like they have the last day, have posted some really strongly worded tweets about it. Um, they know they do it, of course, as a warning. But Liz, here's the thing. It says, it, it, like, if you didn't think that this regime was filled with enough psychopaths, like, you know, Biden himself, Kamala Harris. Jen Saki, where did they find this woman like she is central casting like the creepy girl in high school who does all the musicals but like wants to stab you like backstage like she is <laughs>
0: she is straight out crazy crazy town you know. Um, they find these people because they literally have factories that make these people and those factories <laughs> are called colleges and universities. Right. This it's Good not point. it's not it's not like we're if you, if you were looking for like a hardworking, um, honest person, I would say that's harder to find than one of these freaks that has been minted by, a, you know, a blue checkmark approved university. So they probably have their pick of the litter. To be honest with you, I would say there's. Oh, this is so politically incorrect, but I don't care. Um, oh no! I would oh say no! There's like no. A, a 90%. No, get the buzz already. No, there's like a 90% chance that any woman graduating from a university is this woman. You know, <laughs> right? The, oh After no! You, Right. If you go through the ringer at the university and you go through from freshman to senior, and you're a woman and you're not in science, although who knows what's happening to science, there's a good likelihood that you are this woman, just like her. So don't. Well, and let's
1: set aside to the fact that she is a peddler of lots of dis slash misinformation herself, disinformation. Um, obviously, she was a Russian collusion propagandist, also um, described Hunter's Laptop as you know, a Russian stunt. She's pro-lockdowns. Here's one of her tweets from July of 2020. I hope all of those who want to get out of lockdown and, quote, get their freedom back, end quote, who doubted Russia's intentions or who thought the Mueller investigation was a, quote, unquote, hoax, now understand the seriousness of cyber attacks and
0: information operations. You know, speaking of information operations, like she ought to know because she's part of the left's information operation. That is, she's putting out the mythology to the public and, you know, claiming that that's the truth. The, the most fascinating thing that I find about this, and this is kind of related to another topic we're going to get to, is this idea of disinformation where did this come from where did this national crisis of disinformation come from like why is it a problem now but like 10 years ago nobody was freaking out about it so what what prompted this to get on the national on the national radar or the the left radar and it it isn't about disinformation because the things that they're talking about isn't actually disinformation it's things I don't agree with or things that don't further my political ends. That's what they're talking about. This is strictly a power move because when you push any of these, these folks about what specific disinformation is on the internet, on Twitter, that is actually dangerous. Like, and I, when I say dangerous, I don't, I don't mean mentally or psychologically dangerous for a snowflake. I mean, dangerous, like someone's going to get killed or hurt, right? Like, the equivalent of somebody should go eat rat poison, like that level of information. What is it out there that's so pervasive that we need a federal eye on on that activity? And they have no answer. It's just basically that Donald Trump got elected. (laughs) That's it.
1: Well, I mean, the purveyor of all of this, and this is what is a little bit more terrifying than Nina Yankowitz. Um, the purveyor of this is the source of most evil things in politics the past 15 years, and that's Barack Obama. So he is now making disinformation his newest crusade. He attended a speech at Stanford. Of course, his cult-like followers swooning over him. Um, and so this is what he uh, posted recent, just a week or so ago. The way I'm going to evaluate any proposal touching on social media and the Internet is whether it strengthens or weakens the prospects for healthy, inclusive democracy. Solving the disinformation problem won't cure all that ails democracies or tears at the fabric of our world, but it can help rebuild the trust and solidarity needed to make our dem- make democracy stronger. It's up to each of us to decide what we value and to use the tools we've been given to advance those values. I believe we'll use every tool at our disposal to secure our greatest gift, a government of buying for the people. Of course, he doesn't care about that at all. For generations to come, he calls disinformation a threat to our democracy. Now, as you know, Barack Obama now is like a billionaire. Not only that, he has the fealty of the national news media, corporate America, academia, etc. I mean, his tentacles are wide and deep. And so he is the master pulling all the strings of all of this. Um, and I think that this is, you know, this is the main source of this alleged disinformation crusade. I
0: think this is how we know they're losing, which is that they're at Mm -hmm. this level now where they're full on trying to sell, controlling the things that people say and free speech. And that is we don't need like a democracy that involves like sanitized information um, or whatever that Obama is selling. We have a democracy. We have a republic. And a bedrock of the republic is that we have free speech. And that means people can say what whatever they want. It's not a crime to say that. And any attempt to come up with a framework and then shove that down people's throat with, like, feel-good gibberish, like, which is what you just read from Obama, is subversive to the American project. It is. People can say whatever they want online. Twitter, well, we're going to talk about Twitter, obviously, coming up because we had some big Twitter news this week. But just like on Twitter, if I don't want to see what you say, I can block you. I don't need to follow you. I can mute your tweets. There's plenty of ways for people to not be exposed to content that they don't want to be exposed to. Um, and that's not a threat to democracy. That's called personal choice and freedom and liberty. So this is very alarming. And I think it's really seeping into the left more and more. I mean, I think 10 years ago, there was this small number of people who would, would be on board with censorship, including like the ACLU, which are, have now come completely around and are now supporters of censorship for freedom, <laughs> right? They say, right? Right, for freedom. To be free, you need to be censored and exposed to a very specific set of facts. That just happened to coincide with our political ends. That's what we're hearing. Well, to your point, this is not
1: a healthy democracy. I mean, this is not a healthy political party. Democrats are, they have to force their will on the American people. And this is how they do it. They don't care about an exchange of ideas anymore. They don't want vigorous debate. They don't want to take on the normal political challenges that we're used to seeing. They want pure control.
0: Right. It used to be in the olden days that you would be able to have political arguments with people, and it would be fine. And sometimes people changed their mind. Sometimes people didn't change their mind. Um, sometimes you learned new things that you didn't know, um, and you and you changed your mind or your your position evolved. That's just normal. That's how people think, actually. That's like how the thought process works. So we're always amending the way that our mind works based on our real life experience. You know, um, the road is closed. I'm going to take. I'm going to go the other way. Oh, this other way is faster. Now I change. I mean, it's a very iterative process, both in our life and the way that we hold our our beliefs, our belief systems. They do change and, and grow. So the idea that we're only allowed to have a set, a doctrine, a a stable doctrine that never changes, and that someone tells us what it is, because remember, the things that were banned from Twitter. Um, Again, I keep talking about Twitter and I hate it the most. But anyway, the things that were banned from Twitter a year ago are now like accepted as okay. So the the, if we reverse back from the idea that we need an agency to, uh, you know, stop disinformation, assumes that there is someone capable of determining what is the disinformation. What is the disinformation? Someone has to make that call. And in my mind, it's more it's it's less dangerous to have like a Nazi guy on Twitter saying kill the Jews. I say that as a Jew. That is less dangerous than having someone in the government say, I'm going to be the person to determine what everyone's allowed to say and think. So that's the trade off we make for freedom is that, yes, you can be an asshole. You can be dumb. You can be an idiot. There's no crime in being an idiot. And you can go onto social media. You can make a blog and you can write about all your idiot things. And to me, that's better than having a government agency that is going to decide what it is allowed to be tweeted or written about or made a, or a video or in your video.
1: Scary. Stuff. Which, of course, brings us to the biggest scandal, the biggest threat, scandal. the biggest yes. threat to promoting disinformation on the planet. The man who for the past decade was like a hero to the left, climate change, you know, warrior, etc., and, of course, we're talking about
0: Elon Musk. The new owner of Twitter. And I wish he would, like, just hit delete. Like, I have <laughs> I this, like, hung. fantasy where he, like, gets into the computer and he, like, logs in. Like, hello, Elon. And then there's, like, a little cursor that pops up on a black screen, like a code. And then he just goes, delete. You know, like that. And and then empty trash. And then no more Twitter. No, that I think that would, this is that a really was. interesting phenomenon. I mean, I I like Elon Musk. I don't hate him. I guess that's a, a plus since I hate almost everybody. Oh yeah, who, right. Who is a pu- anyone is a public figure? Almost all of them I, I hate and I look at them with derision and scorn. But I, I mean, I, I like Elon Musk. I think he's a de- I think he's an okay guy. Um, but what's better than elon buying twitter is the consequence of elon buying twitter which is the absolute meltdown of some of the most despicable humans that are in the public space now from our uh, very prestigious media outlets um and our um hollywood our entertainment figures they're all freaking out and that is because Elon Musk wants to have more free speech, and you, you've got to. I mean, basically, the left is admitting that if people have access to information and a free exchange of ideas, that they're lo- that they will lose. <laughs> That's what this is a giant like admission of. That's what free speech is a threat to the Democrats' uh, monopoly on the illusion that they they're painting for you and forcing you to believe. Well, what I'm enjoying is just his trolling of people on Twitter. Like, that is hilarious. He's like, it's like Trumpy. It's like back in the Trumpy times when, (laughs) even though you and I were pretty critical of Trump on a lot of stuff. But I always enjoyed watching the crazy shit he would tweet and then just the the fallout, the like trickle down mania. That will come from the things he would tweet. And now it's the same thing with with Elon Musk. When he wrote, when he tweeted about the New York Post, the New York Post, um, which was censored for uh, exposing Hunter Biden's filthy laptop Last week, or not last week, we didn't do last show last week, but two weeks ago, we had Miranda Devine on talking about Hunter Biden's laptop from hell. And Mm -hmm. someone had tweeted about how Twitter had banned that story from being shared or promoted on Twitter and then also banned the New York Post. And then Elon just tweeted back, that seems like a bad idea or something. And everybody was all freaked out because it's Russian disinformation until it wasn't Russian disinformation. So... Well, and
1: then he's sort of getting into this battle the last few days about, you know, the political spectrum. So he posted this really funny meme, you know, like, here I was in the middle, basically, you know, 2010. Then, you know, it shows the left, just the left side, just pushing further out left. And he's sort of staying where he is. And then the left goes crazy. And he's like, okay, now he's closer more to the right. But it's illustrative of how I think a lot of people feel, except for suburban cul-de-sac wine moms, that this party is going so far left and now to the point of, you know, crushing political dissent and free speech and... Etc. that just the basic principles of what once made you a quote unquote liberal is completely gone. And so he, as the Washington post dissected the meme, like this is how desperate they are to portray him as some sort of authoritarian. Um, Right. But this is all backfiring on the left and he is
0: enjoying every minute of it, which is great. It's so, that is one thing. Um, that you can always take to the bank which is that the left is predictable it's just that the right is always on defense that they can't go on offense and and which will then allow the left to reveal themselves to be like a bunch of freaks and we saw that with trump trump went on the offense and they just these their hair was on fire and it's the same thing with elon but most of the time republicans are like on defense oh i'm not racist i don't hate women you know <laughs> The police, like Mitt Romney uh, marching with Black Lives Matter. Oh, no, I'm not racist. I love everybody. That's what the Republicans and the conservatives are always on defense. But when you go on offense, it, these people are like hanging by a thread to, to sanity, if they are even hanging there anymore. So Elon is just poking them and they're falling to the pieces. Basically, a lot of people said they were going to leave Twitter. Um that's how you see the real authoritarians like if you can't handle being on Twitter because it's going to be less you're not you're, the left isn't going to censor ideas it doesn't like then then the problem is with you and not with Twitter the problem is with the person who can't <laughs> deal with and here's the thing it's not even as if these people are being forced to be exposed to the information that they don't want you can go on Twitter And you can protect your tweets. You can only see the tweets of people you want. You can literally not be exposed to any of these, quote, hateful, triggering things that are being spoken about. But that is not the issue with the left. They don't want anybody to say it at all. It's not that they don't want to be exposed to it. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want you to be able to talk about it, even if they don't know about it. That's really some fucked up shit. That's fucked up shit. Well, it, it really is. And um, it's sort of crazy, Liz,
1: because after the January 6th purge, I lost about 10 or 11,000 followers, as did a lot of people. Um, and literally in the past four days, I've gained them all back. Now, I don't necessarily think those at first I thought it was accounts that were being restored, but it looks like that's not happening. It's just a lot of people who self-censored and, you know, took their accounts off of Twitter after Twitter deplatformed Trump and how many other accounts, maybe 60,000, 90,000 or something. Um, Among them, people like Tracy Beans, um, Mike Flynn, or maybe his son. There were a lot of high profile accounts that were deplatformed after January 6th. And so I think those are some of those people coming back. Now, in the meantime, you have what's happening over Truth Social. What's going to happen with that platform? Do you think Trump will stop start posting on Twitter which would be totally counterproductive to his project at truth social um, he finally posted over there yesterday I don't know what the weight was but uh, you know what's gonna happen I know there are a lot of people who want Trump to start posting on Twitter I'm not so sure just because it usually backfires on him even though it's entertaining but uh, you're gonna
0: be undermining your own platform then yeah there's a that, that that's an interesting that's an interesting situation because on the one hand, he obviously has an obligation to develop true social, which I'm sure he or business partners have a financial investment in. Right. So it and Trump is the draw because literally we do not need another social media platform. Otherwise, there are so many. Everybody's coming up with them. You know, we have Parler, um, and, and just there's a, hold on. Oh, my cat, I'm sorry. She's just no, very. Well, my dogs n- were barking earlier.
1: It's like you can't, you can't control the animal. Electra,
0: be quiet. No, Electra, be quiet. <laughs> um, hold on. Get down. Okay, uh. sorry. um So, so on the one hand, he really does need to stay and develop true social. But on the other, um, the, the value of Twitter is that it's, it's very Large and it blankets a lot of different niches. And so, it, does Trump need to keep talking to the people that signed up on Truth Social? I mean, are these like, aren't these people kind of bought and paid for as far as Trump's political future? These aren't, you know, these are kind of sure thing, politically, political supporters. The real value of Twitter was in 2016 or 2015 when Trump was going to run and then announced he was running and then ran a campaign, is that Trump's ideas got exposed to a lot of people who would not have been able to really get familiar, you know, have not been able to see Trump, right, and, and, and to hear what he had to say. So in that sense, I think Twitter is more valuable to him, because this is a time now where we're in desperate need of leadership and counter counter ideas to this burning ship that we're all sailing on with captain Joe Biden right now. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a tough question. I don't think he can come back to Twitter, but I, I, I think Twitter has been very helpful to him. But then on the other hand, then it allows everyone to just talk about Donald Trump on Twitter and not talk about, you know, our wink, wink, 8% inflation rate, the cost of gas, um, you know, this manure shortage that we're not going to have any food anymore. Um, all these billions of dollars we're giving to the Ukraine um, For this war with Russia I mean it, it, It's complicated So what do I think I think he shouldn't come back on Twitter I don't think he should come back on Twitter I think he should say it's true social um, And I think let his proxies And let his um, You know helpers and associates Go on Twitter and do Their thing to get out like the Trump the, uh, uh, No I'm not going to say Trump I'm going to say the America first um, yes. agenda right I like that, that America first because that's it's the best, it's that's be on the best way right. I think that that's just the best way to do it I mean I just I think because Trump is like takes up all the oxygen and to be honest look at what Trump not being on Twitter has done it's really forced a lot of people to talk about Biden the people who normally wouldn't not the die hard like water carriers those people but you know you've You can't blame this economy on Trump at this point. You know, you can't you can't blame a lot of that. You can't blame the gas prices on Trump because Biden's the one that, you know, made it difficult for these people that have permits to drill and canceled the pipe, the uh, Keystone Pipeline. So it's it's it. I would have to say my opinion is that after all this verbose, you know, my big song and (laughs) dance, I think he should just not stand I think he should not say on Twitter, but I think it's good for him if Twitter opens up and people are allowed to actually just talk about America first ideas in contrast to, um, you know, teaching eight year olds about gender fluidity and and other weird sexual perversions. Yeah,
1: so let's get back to <clears throat> the real threat to the country. Not Elon Musk, but um, the Biden regime. I mean, this week was so first of all, Kamala, who is double vaccinated, double boosted, not only has COVID, but I guess she's receiving some sort of miracle drug. They have like
0: Paxilvid. So Paxilvid is this drug. I can't remember who who if it's Pfizer, a Pfizer pill or Moderna. One of these drug companies have Paxlovid, which is an antiviral. I think it's probably really just ivermectin, but whatever. And so they have it. It's all these pharmacies have it. And nobody is taking it. Like, it's just sitting there on the shelves. Like, nobody is using it. It's not being prescribed. There was this big story about it. So anyway, Kamala is who had apparently no symptoms, no symptoms of COVID. And she's taking Paxlovid. And so that's been a bit of a controversy. Yeah, and I mean, she's not anywhere, right? And now <coughs> Kate
1: Bettingfield, Bettingfield, um, Biden's comms director, she also has COVID. How are all these people getting COVID? It's like freaking uh, practically the summer. Like, how, how are they still getting COVID because they're vaccinated and double boosted? Probably, I would assume. Well, here's my question. So
0: Kamala, when it was announced that Kamala had COVID, they said she has no symptoms. Okay, so what does it mean then that she has COVID, but she has no symptoms? It's like if she weren't tested, no, nothing would be different. So just think of all the things you might have that you aren't being tested for right now, but you're okay, just going right. forward and, and living your life. It just seems like like if she were sick, I could, under you know, sniffling, coughing, or tired, or whatever the symptoms of this variant are, You know, I could understand, okay, so she's taking this Paxlovid. But really, I mean, what does it mean to say you have COVID, but you have no symptoms?
1: I don't. I don't know.
0: Maybe I'm just. It's because I'm not a. a yeah, you're right. Person. I'm
1: not really buying that because what would prompt you to just randomly take a test unless they're still doing rant
0: like weekly. Oh, I'm tests. sure they are. Oh yeah, okay. of course they are, Julie. Because okay. it'll kill Biden, right? I mean, that guy's barely hanging on. So okay, let's pro- talk about his short circuiting <laughs> this week, which was one of his worst <laughs> incidences in. Uh, Wait, let's. You have to agree they're testing everybody all the time because they can't have anyone anywhere near Biden that has COVID. Okay, you have to give me that. That's true. That's why they're testing all the time. Okay, now we can move on to the next topic. So yeah, so Biden short circuited again. (laughs) I mean, I wish we had the clip, but I would urge everyone to go look it up because it
1: was—I don't even know what he was saying. We're going to accommodate the oligarchs, the Russian oligarchs, and then he tried to say kleptocracy, but he couldn't like figure out how to put the letters together. And then, like, started laughing at himself. And this is all as he's explaining that we are now going to fork over another 33 billion—that's with a B—to Ukraine, of course, his favorite money laundering machine operation, um,
0: to help them fight the Russians. He said, like, ill-begotten gains, which <laughs> I don't—I don't think that that's the word. That's the phrase, but he kept saying it. And then he couldn't say oligarch or klept- kleptocracy. And then the earpiece that tells him what to say, like, said it. So then, like, there's, like, a two or three second delay. And then it obviously said, someone said kleptocracy <laughs> in his ear. And then he said kleptocracy. And then that's he said what it. happened. Because I think he has an earpiece. And the people are always talking to him in the earpiece. Like, go left. Go right. Put your hand down. You know, close your mouth. That kind of stuff. Wipe, so, your, wipe the drool off your lip. Exactly. Wipe your nose. Um, <laughs> that kind of thing. So you have drool on your tie. So I, I, I think that that's, that's what happened. And he always... Mentions. i think he just mentioned it a couple days ago when he was doing like educator teacher of the year he talks about how he had a stutter he always says well you know we're supposed to forgive these gaffes because he is a stutter then he's never had a stutter go back and listen to something go go back to the stuff he said under obama anytime he was speaking under obama does that guy sound like he had a stutter no it's not that he is a stutter it's that he said they say that to try and cover up that he's uh, has he's like mentally you know, degrading a little because of or a lot because of his age. So he has some degree of dementia or something, and they cover it up. And they know, of course, that nobody will challenge it, right? Like the New York Times or the Washington Post or Politico or Axios. Like go on is not going to say, well, that's weird. Here's a video of him in 1998 or in 2006 or 2009 talking, and he's talking fine. Like he doesn't have a stutter. So. Nobody's going to do that. They can say that because they're not going to get called on it. Yeah, so we
1: have that. What what other mess did we have from the, oh, well, we have Jen Psaki, who is just, I'm sorry, she's the most wretched person in the entire administration. So she was threatening how they are going to look at legislative tools to go after Elon Musk um, about the disinformation. And then what other gems did Jen Psaki come up with this week? We need to do like a whole just little segment on her. Like a whole, we need to reserve just like.
0: Isn't, I thought she's on her, she has her golden parachute to MSNBC, right? I mean, isn't she leaving? When is that? Oh God, when is she leaving? And who could possibly replace her? I mean,
1: who? I mean, I'm sure they'll find someone because there's plenty of psychotic Jensakis in the world, as we noted at the beginning of the show.
0: They'll find find someone. That's got to be, can you imagine? That job is just tough anyway. But, but, But when your boss is obviously talking in speaking in tongues most of the time and the media, who is predisposed to be very favorable to you, is repeatedly asking you for clarification about the gibberish that's coming out of your boss's mouth. I mean, oh, here's here's what she said
1: when she was talking about how Kamala is going to be just fine Um, to take the vaccine because it can prevent severe death.
0: As opposed to, like, a mild death. Like... <laughs> the, but even Jen Psaki's had COVID a couple times, right? Yes. Yeah. And then we had, I think this last week, we had, um, I think Hopkins released findings that something like 65% of the American public and, like, 80% of children have already had, had been exposed to COVID. Yeah, I mean,
1: and this I mean, is... Something. Everyone, I mean, if you didn't have it this Christmas or the past couple of months, like you're you had it and you just don't know, right? I mean, probably a hundred percent of people in America have had it by now.
0: I'll tell you that I flew back from the West Coast on Tuesday without a mask, so I'm lucky to just be alive right now. Um, well, was, I mean, you have to wait two weeks.
1: You might you might suffer severe death.
0: Hold
1: on. I'm getting I'm getting rid of the cat out of the office. Oh my god. Cat's out so of the I'm bag. Severe death. Hi. So Liz has cats and I have German shepherds, so that that's all you need to know about us.
0: Alright. There we go. She's just can't sit in my she office. She needs and- some love and attention. She's been getting it all morning. And she sits on my mouse pad and she just stares at me until I give her her treats when she gets after she takes her medicine. But she just sits on my mouse pad and she stares at me. And sometimes she gets happy. So she rubs my keyboard and presses keys. So if you see like a bad tweet, it's because my cat hit the keyboard and nothing I personally did myself. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so I flew back Tuesday, which was after the, the mask mandate was lifted during my flight to the West Coast. But I saw it on the Internet because I'm obviously on, on the Internet, on the plane working. But I didn't want to be the person to, like, stand up and be, like, on it, announce to the plane. I'm taking my mask off. I didn't want to be on the news or I didn't want the police right. to the plane. I didn't want to take the lead on that. But on my trip back, it had already been, it ha- had been, you know, overturned. So it was fascinating to just see who in the airport and on the plane chose to wear a mask anyway. Um, I would say, like, maybe 20%. If that, we're wearing masks. So um, we're
1: now two weeks past the elimination of the mask mandate, right? Almost close. I think we're. Yeah, it's almost just- two weeks. So unless there has been a huge uptick in COVID cases throughout the country, then I think we could probably safely anecdotally assume that the masks, of course, never did shit on airplanes and there's no need to reinstate them, even though with DOJ is attempting to sue or
0: block whatever they're going to do with the judge's order who lifted it. Um, well, that's a good thing we didn't talk about, because so many other crazy things happen, is this poor judge from Florida, who's a federal judge, overturned this mandate saying that the CDC does not have the authority to force everybody and, you know, have control over the FAA and to force these mask mandates on plane. And then that woman basically got a fucking colonoscopy by the media. And, and she was then referred to as the Trump appointed judge. Like she wasn't just a judge. She was a Trump appointed judge. And also I think she clerked for Clarence Thomas, which makes her Satan, of course. Um oh, right. But boy, did that poor lady get the, she's very young too. Um, and she's attractive, which the left really hates. Um, and so she got really got an enema, um, looking into where she went to school, who knows her, who's her friends, you know that kind of thing they, to discredit her, basically ruin her life. But so she made this after the math mandate was repealed. It's almost like I think Monday will be two weeks, so we should t- keep an eye on the numbers. Uh, we definitely have to. There could just the be. Air on name. an airplane is like the most sanitized, recirculated air you'll ever breathe. You know they are constantly recirculating and purifying the air on an airplane. So I don't really think that it's particularly dangerous as dangerous as even just being somewhere dangerous like a mall. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, dumb. so well, dumb. Look, even before,
1: so if you think back to March of 2020, people were flying all over the place. They were in these airplanes. The virus had already been in the states by late 2019. People were not even really aware of it and on these planes, there was no scientific data or studies now more than two years later that any aircraft acted as a super spreader um, at all. So we know where the super spreaders were, obviously hospitals, nursing homes, people shut in their own homes with their family members, um, but nothing related to uh, to airplanes. But that doesn't stop the paranoia. You know, even though you get on the plane, no mask, they're still handing out wipes Idiots are still taking these wipes. They know the whole plane has been sanitized and they're resanitizing, you know,
0: their tray and their armrests. And they, oh, try they to send an email you. out. And they say, just to let you know, because I fly a lot. And they're like, just to let you know, we've thoroughly sanitized the plane. The people in front of me, this husband and wife, they had, I, I'm not even kidding. I, I. I wanted to ask them about it but I don't think I could do it with a straight face and without sound, <laughs> sounding like a bitch. They had these like seat covers. Like it went over their entire seat. Like like the kind of seat covers you had in your car, like or as like a you put like like you, you put over, skin. Skin. Yeah, you like put over the Yeah, like over the shopping whole... cart when you have a baby. Yes, yes, yes so they don't but touch it was anything. The whole seat. It was the whole seat. And I just was like, okay, oh, you're not fucking around. Okay. You know, um, whatever.
1: He's <laughs> crazy. And there are now universities who are back to mask mandates and locking kids back in their dorm rooms, which is crazy. Um. So and these are, of course, the elite universities who are doing this. <clears throat> so that's never going to end. Thank God. Um.
0: This is why. Well, they so- deserve it. I mean, if you look, you know what you're getting at this point. You know, if yeah. you want to send your kid to. Uh, you know, one of these prestige in institutions, then you're you're running the risk of putting your kid under the authority of of, of a bunch of lunatics, right? And that includes Tyrant. mask mandates. So I, I don't know why people would do that anymore. I mean, I I because they're not. I mean, mask mandates is just part of it. A lot of times, don't they like qu- force them on quarantine, constant tests? Yep. Coming I mean, kind of back in your dorms.
1: You can't go to a College. dining hall. Right. They shut down activities. The Greek life is shut down. All of that. So, yes.
0: What's the point? You know, what's the... And all for the price of what? $65,000 a year? I mean, fuck you. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, tell, tell me about it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell tell me. me
1: about it.
0: Yeah. But at least you didn't know. Like, I mean, you had... A, no. Your, your college-age daughter was halfway through before when this happened. it. But at this point, you know, if you had a choice, would you send your kids to one of these nutter schools? You know, I'm sure you would be like, absolutely not. You're just not No, going. which is why she's going to grad school in Florida because she's like, okay,
1: I'm not staying in New York. Certainly not going anywhere in Illinois because the first chance they get, they're
0: going to do this all over again. So, yeah. It's, no. it, it's, it's interesting because there are a couple studies coming out that have been allowed to, like, make it into the public realm about just how damaging the lockdowns were for kids, for kids in a learning environment, especially when they're very young, and it's really important for them to get educated. I mean, when you have a growing brain, that's the time when you want to stimulate it with different activities and challenges and learning. And then to have these kids basically stuck at home. I mean, we're going to have a couple generations, not generations, but like a couple grades of kids that are going to be at a a tremendous disadvantage because they haven't been able to do this. And yet we still have places that are doing more of it. Yes. It's terrible, really terrible. Don't send your kids to any of these schools, people. (laughs) <laughs> um
1: can we talk really quick about the non-stop attempted effort to destroy marjorie taylor green i mean this is getting insane
0: how they are going after her um i i did i saw i'm, I'm ashamed of the phrase i'm about to say on the uh-uh. air oh no but i saw Get your finger on the button. No, I'm just kidding. I was scrolling through <laughs> TikTok and I saw they had like the live hearing of her. And I was yes. just like, this is really some effed up stuff. right?" So now. she's getting sued
1: by this group of lawyers who claim that they represent voters. But of course they don't. They just represent left wing crazy activists. And so they are suing to try to bounce her off of the ballot in Georgia And the judge actually allowed this to proceed. So she had a very lengthy hearing next Friday where or last Friday, where I think she really prevailed. And this lawyer, of course, she's being sued in civil. It's not a criminal case. The lawyer, activist lawyer, was trying to use her citations about the Revolutionary War in 1776 as evidence of wrongdoing. Now, of course, Liz, as you know, in my coverage of January 6th, this is the same thing that DOJ and federal judges in D.C. are doing. So any reference to the Revolution or 1776 you, or even oh, patriot You call yourself a
0: Patriot? Is that a code for
1: terrorists? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, no joke. That's basically what they're saying. No, I know. That is basically what they are saying. Terrible. And you know that it's true, right? So they tried to do this to MTG. And I think it really backfired um, now we're still waiting for the judge's ruling, which I don't know why a week later this should be an absolute no brainer. She and she made the point, how did I participate in an insurrection? I had just been sworn in two days earlier. I didn't even know where the bathrooms were, let alone try to tell people how to overthrow the Capitol. The whole thing's preposterous. Anyway.
0: Um but then you know, the January You know it's it's just it's helpful to take a step back and go look at every other presidential year that Mm. we've had like 2000 not 2010 because i was obama but like 2005 january 2005 um obviously the 2000 election was a a hot mess every time a republican wins an office um wins the presidency a group of democrats like challenges the election findings every right. single time, every single time, and the, and they they talk to the media and they're quoted and the language is much more extreme than even the stuff that some of these Jan, January 6 are quote accused of saying. And so this is how you know this is not in no way like good faith, like a, a good faith investigation into um, you know actual trying to overthrow the government. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Right. It, it really is. But they're going to continue
1: this. They attempted it with Madison Cawthorne. That effort failed. They tried it in Arizona with Andy Biggs, Paul Gosar, and I think a state legislator. That failed. But for some reason, it was allowed to proceed in Georgia state court. So we'll see what this judge comes up with. But um, the January 6th committee, of course, is they're collecting quote unquote, evidence about the insurrection, only doing it just like the Mueller probe and the impeachment committee to collect this information and then leak it to the media with their own spin on it. So the latest one was that she asked Trump to declare martial law. She was made fun of because she misspelled the word martial, which I'm sure most of the CNN viewers didn't even notice. But at any rate, She didn't. It was misrepresentation of what the text said. She said she was hearing from other members. She didn't know about that. Again, she had just been sworn in, right? She was like four days into being a Republican congresswoman. Um, And then yesterday she was accosted by Jim Acosta, who she stopped and made him read this alleged text. And of course it said nothing in the way that Jim Acosta was portraying it. Shocker. And you had another reporter hound her outside. I believe he was from CBS about whether or not she was going to testify to the January 6th committee if she had been subpoenaed. And she's like, I haven't even been asked to testify or, or do anything. So they are really after her. I think in the I think it's all backfiring on them, which it should. Um, because she just keeps pushing on. So this week, she authored a letter to Merrick Garland, way overdue by anyone. Not, I don't want to say she's overdue, but no one else has touched this verdict from three weeks ago that basically found the FBI entrapped innocent men to concoct this kidnapping plot not just against Gretchen Whitmer, but also Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. No one in the Senate has bothered to touch this or address it. Um, and so Marjorie Taylor Greene, again, t- you know, taking the lead. She got, I believe, 12 other Republicans to sign off on this letter demanding answers about, you know, what happened with this concocted FBI concocted abduction assassination plot. So
0: um, well, What it's is just, she being accused of? Like, since she's a new... You know, she just got sworn in. She probably doesn't even know where her office is or doesn't even have an office. She probably doesn't even have staff at this point. So specifically, (laughs) like what what are they acute? They're accusing her of telling the president he should he should declare martial law, which she probably used voice text and they didn't transliterate it. Right. You know, they didn't they don't always spell things, you know, the homophones. Right. That's true. She very well could have been. But what But what exactly – well, since there really wasn't a violent coup, it's hard to say like how she was part of that violent coup. But also, this is just the process is the punishment, part one million, from the Democrats, which is they're going to punish people who are a threat to their hold on power and also set examples for others who might want to get a little uppity. And let them know, like, this is what you're going to be in for. You know, and the only way, I mean, this is how they're going to get an electoral advantage since there's a predicted red wave coming. Is that they have to literally disqualify people from, I mean, to be honest. No, why they, they do. They, right. Here's the thing, okay, because, and this is why it makes no sense. So, Marjorie Taylor Greene has been stripped of all her committee assignments. So, she lit because of Kevin McCarthy is a, a, a punk-ass bitch. But she's been stripped of her committee assignments. So right. she literally has less say or control or influence than almost every single other member of Congress. Wouldn't the Democrats want to keep someone like that in her place? Like in place because if they get if they get her out and get another person, well this person's going to be on committees. This person's going to be able to influence things. I mean, it just makes they just hate her because she's a mouth and she doesn't listen to them and she you know, says what she thinks. And of course, they don't they don't like that. It just these people are just walking contradictions. They're engaging in a political war. And unfortunately, the leadership of the right, the congressional leadership, the Senate leadership and these other um, political celebrities on the right still don't get it. So they're gonna keep waging war and you know, people like Marjorie Taylor Green or Madison Cawthorn or even Matt Gates, he was he was a victim too. I mean, I thought he was gonna be brought right. up on sex trafficking charges six months, right? We were told at yeah, like, any minute happened? the walls the walls are closing in, Julie, on Matt Gates. Where's was that, that like go? Two years ago or something? Yeah. yeah. So I mean this is this is, you know, they're they're by any means necessary declaring war on the dangerous people on the right, the real threats to their power. And of course, our leadership is giving them the rope to hang hang us with, basically. Terrible. Well, this is what you
1: and I and others talk about privately is regardless, you know, Republicans can take over the House, maybe even the Senate at the end of this year. It's not going to change because the leadership is fundamentally weak. They're cowards. They're complicit in many ways. I mean, so you have two things that have come out recently about both Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. I write at American Greatness today about Mitch McConnell reportedly talking to Jonathan Martin, who was a New York Times reporter uh, at the Capitol on January 6th. He and another reporter have this book coming out that details everything related to the 2020 election and then, of course, the January 6th insurrection. So McConnell is talking with him, with Jonathan Martin, according to this new book, and says he was exhilarated after what happened that day. He's talking to Martin around midnight the night of January 6, 2021, he was exhilarated, uh, called Trump a despicable person, said, we shut down the son of a bitches and we're going to do the same in the primaries of 2022. Now, Mitch McConnell, now he's not talking about the actual protests. That was shut down, or the certification of the Electoral College. What Mitch McConnell wanted shut down that day, which he did successfully as everyone else did, was his own Republican senators working with House Republicans to demand this audit commission. And they were going to take hours on the floor that day because, per the rules, each state would have gotten two hours basically to the
0: the senator and the in the house member right the senator together, and, a, and a congressman have to object and then each state gets two hours to then put they forward get their to their debate effort.
1: right yeah. so this the american people who were tuned in right everybody was watching that day they wanted to see what was going to happen instead of certification this rote whatever process they were going to hear about election fraud in arizona pennsylvania michigan wisconsin nevada and georgia Mitch McConnell didn't want that. Nancy Pelosi didn't want it. Obviously, Biden didn't want it. So what was shut down that day was that effort. He's bragging then to this reporter later that night how he was exhilarated, thought that this would be the end, not just of Trump, but the entire MAGA movement, which, of course, it wasn't. Um, So that was released in the book. Then we also have uh, Kevin Have you bought the book yet? I
0: got to order it.
1: No, I do want to order it, though, because I think it's going to have some good stuff.
0: It's going to have delicious. I can't wait to get it. I got to
1: order it. <laughs> yum, yum. Um, <laughs> Now we also have recordings of Kevin McCarthy, the House uh, uh, leader, who um, speaking with Liz Cheney for some reason and I guess accommodating her and discussions about whether he was going to advise trump to resign after january 6th now mccarthy has tried to make light of it but um i i don't think that anyone should make light of the fact that he is a snake and he of course went to the house floor i believe the next day and blamed trump partially for inciting the insurrection which kevin mccarthy still calls a riot and um Basically was, you know, appeasing someone like Liz Cheney behind the scenes saying, oh, yeah, you know, let's sort of see. I'm going to talk to him and we'll see if he's going to resign, that sort of thing. So they're both snakes. So why would we trust them to lead a Republican House or a Republican Senate when we know
0: what how they are? You no, know, they both of these men only care about their own political power. And so Mitch McConnell will be a senator, regardless of whether the Republicans have a majority in the Senate or not, and whether or not Trump wins, because he is not ideologically invested in the political process. He's invested only in a process that gives him the power and influence. And you know he would either be Senate Majority Leader or Senate Minority Leader, so he's he's a winner no matter what. He he definitely does, however, have an interest in making sure whatever threatens his power position is neutralized. And the same with Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy walks a talks a good talk, but when push comes to shove, he is he is a snake and a weasel. He knows what he has to say to. to to advance himself again to be Speaker of the House in the fall. But he is in the background going around him and his um, his harpies are going around meddling in primaries, trying to get rid of mega candidates that that challenge the establishment Republicans. I was saying this to you earlier in our super secret chat room with a variety of influential
1: very important people
0: exactly political celebrities um <laughs> that um i was i was saying that now I i've totally lost my train of thought this is what happens when you get old you just forget what you're saying okay we were talking about um mccarthy oh, and, right okay and right. getting rid of so, the
1: maga candidates and yeah. primaries
0: so the po- political landscape in the fall is probably the worst I've ever seen for Democrats in my political career. And I've been this has been my career. So I've been working in politics at every level for at least 20 years, if not longer. And so I know I look like I'm 18, but I'm not. Anyway, so this is the worst conditions I've seen in a midterm my entire political career. The Democrats are going to get slaughtered. The inflation, all of the problems, the humiliation of Afghanistan, now we're involved in some kind of war. People can't afford to buy groceries anymore. Businesses are closing because it's too expensive to do business. It is a disaster. Now is the time to get in 100 Louis Gohmerts or 100 Tom Massey's. Praise be upon Tom Assey. That's what needs to happen. Those are the people we need to get them in because they can get in right now. Because people in the middle either will not vote or will vote against the status quo. And instead... You have a motherfucker like Kevin McCarthy who is out there kneecapping MAGA candidates to get in a bunch of little shills that will do his bidding. So what is going to happen is that there is going to be a slaughter in November. I'm talking politically. I'm not talking, you know, in case the Ministry of Truth is reading or what (laughs) she's listening listening or whatever, you know. Uh, institute to protect the public from violent extremists like Liz uh, is listening. I just mean politically, but there's going to be an absolute slaughter in November. But it is going to be a bunch of smooth between the leg Ken doll Republicans, and nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to happen. And then the Democrats know this, right? This is not tailoring. You would think that they would be nervous, at the very least, to have the Republicans control in Congress, again, in oversight. But they're not really like like the the announcement of the information, the Ministry of Truth. You would think you'd be afraid to do that right before the Republicans are going to control oversight and they can have hearings and subpoenas and start getting documents and making things uncomfortable. But they're not because they know nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. So there's no reason to stop going balls deep because the Republicans will never do anything. And it's guaranteed because Kevin McCarthy is making sure that we have a bunch of eunuchs that are elected in November. And not MAGA candidates, and nothing's going to change. And then the Democrats are going to say, uh, then the Republicans are going to get disen- disenchanted again with the Republicans that are in office because they're not going to do a good job. And then they're not going to vote. And then you're going to get a Democrat again. This is going to happen. Mark my words. All right, I'm done with my uh, two minutes of hate there.
1: <laughs> Whoa, that was that was powerful. We're, def- <laughs> we're definitely <laughs> we're definitely on many more lists after after that one um, I'm right i'm right no you're totally right and that's the really frustrating thing because it's hard to get excited about republicans taking over congress when you know what's going to happen because think liz between what's happening with the january 6th committee the durham investigation what's coming out there the contents of hunter's laptop all the biden family grift uh, family grift i mean the republicans could take control and just decimate the democratic party and its aristocracy its entire base structure of support right i mean they could do this to social media companies they could do they could really destroy the infrastructure of the democratic party everything is right there for their for the taking but they're not going to do it
0: they're not going to do it
1: they're going to nibble not. around the edges you know they're not going to go for blood they're not going to go for the throat on anything including hunter's laptop Um, because they're afraid. So that is going to be just a huge disappointment. But meanwhile, they're going to be talking about tax cuts and, you know, whatever else they come up with from a 1996 agenda. Um, So it's hard to get too excited about these, as you said, unprecedented political opportunity for the Republican Party, because they'll
0: blow it. A hundred percent. So you can take that to the bank. So anyone who thinks like one day there's going to be a reckoning, it there isn't. There isn't. So I just want everyone to like get prepared for nothing to happen. And if you were hoping there would be some revenge, there won't, there will not be like there's not going to be justice. So it's very unfortunate to see the Republicans piss away this opportunity, but it's not unexpected No, I mean, look what they did in 2017 and 2018. They had
1: the keys to every single, to the executive branch and Congress. And what did they do? They punted and gave all the control to Robert Mueller. So, I mean, and even Trump in the last two years, we're still stuck to this day with Chris Ray. We're still stuck to this day with Anthony Fauci. I mean, he didn't even try to clean house until the very end, get rid of people like Gina Haspel. I mean, this is, this is who we were. I mean, they did nothing then. They had, right. they had the no. power and
0: they gave it to Robert Mueller and the Democrats. And then when, in 2018, when they all lost, when they lost the house and, the, and when they lost the house, the Democrats came in and they were, they were out for blood That will not happen this time when the, you know, it's like right in front of them. The whole way to do it is just happened. Right. Just take a look at what the Democrats did when they took control of Congress in 2018. They went in. They started with their ridiculous like five committee investigation into the Trump impeachment, you know, the whole Trump impeachment thing. That will not happen. That is not going to happen. There's going to be a lot of stupid things that deliver upon on nothing. That Take it to the bank. You heard it here on Happy Hour with Julie and Liz first. <laughs> and this <laughs> will, will not be the
1: last time you hear it, by the way. <laughs> and you'll hear it every time <laughs> we talk because we aren't going to stop saying
0: Basically, it. Basically, yes. Yeah. Well, on oh, that yeah. happy note. I know it's been an hour already. All right. It's been an hour, but we'll be back. I think we're we going to be back next week, Julie. I'm, I think I'm. I'm good. Yeah. Next week for sure absolutely we'll be we'll be back for sure next week thank you so much for listening for an hour with us you can subscribe to our podcast on itunes happy hour with julie and liz you can rate our show five stars please thank you and we will see you next week thanks for listening to happy hour with julie and liz we'll see you next week